Each year, more than 12 million people will hear the same three devastating words. You have cancer. I'm Lee Silverstein, a survivor of pediatric kidney cancer and stage four colon cancer. My amazing wife, Linda, has taught me that we have cancer because every one of us is affected by it in some way. Survivors, family, friends, and medical and support team members. And we all have a story worth telling. Welcome to We Have Cancer. Welcome to episode 115 of We Have Cancer. Thank you so much for joining me this week. So what's happening? Well, today is Saturday, February 16th, as I'm recording this uh, introduction. Four days from now, I'll be getting the results of my first CT scan since my two lung surgeries that uh, happened uh, last year in 2018. And I'm pretty confident that I'm going to get good news coming up uh, this Wednesday. I'll let you know how things go in the next episode, but I'm pretty confident that we're going to receive good news and, and really hoping and praying to hear those three letters that I haven't heard in five years, folks, five years since I've heard the letters N-E-D, no evidence of disease. And uh, Linda, my wonderful wife and I and all of our family are so hoping and praying that those are the letters that we get to hear in a few days from now. I'm also preparing for a wonderful opportunity. I'll be attending my fourth annual PodFest Expo conference taking place in Orlando, Florida, the second weekend of March. I will be one of the breakout speakers talking about my podcast and really excited to have that opportunity. If you are a content producer, whether it be audio or like podcasts or if you're into YouTube, this is a wonderful event. I know get coming up real close, like I said, March 7th through the 9th in Orlando, Florida. But if you have any interest at all, you can get more information by visiting podfestexpo.com. My guest this week is Nicole Bodie, and I'm so thankful that Nicole and I connected on Instagram. You can find her on Instagram at Sparkly Survivor. How does that handle not grab your attention? And it so describes Nicole. I was just blown away by her enthusiasm, her zest for life. Nicole is a stage four sarcoma survivor. And uh, just a bundle of positive energy, just really inspiring conversation. So join me now for my conversation with Nicole Bodie. Nicole, welcome to the podcast. So appreciative that you reached out to me on Instagram wanting to share your story. Thank you so much. How are you doing? I am doing well. How are you today? Uh, doing well. As we talked before we went live, a couple of weeks out of my surgery, and by the time this interview posts, it'll be more than just a couple of weeks. But, yes. uh, you know, as you said, as we were talking uh, before we went live, we're all in this together, right? So Absolutely. Yes. How are you doing? How's your health right now? You know, so I'm doing pretty well. I do have chronic back pain as one of the side effects that I've experienced from this journey, from the chemo, from the surgeries that I've had. But it's something that I just work on managing 
every day. And I actually, really exciting this last week, I just got cleared to start exercising again, which is great. So I actually, after this podcast, I'm going to a Pilates session. So just kind of doing some light stuff, helping with activating my core and just kind of getting some stability back in my abdomen. Good for you. I'm jealous. Yeah. I, I, I miss, that's the hardest part is, is exercise has been such a key part of my life too. And, and I think I'm on hiatus for another few weeks. I'm hoping in about a couple mm-hmm. of weeks, I can just do some slow walking on the treadmill, but yes. uh, we'll get there. So you will get there. <laughs> you will get there. Uh, it's amazing. Talk to me uh, about that. How and why is exercise important to you? Yeah, so exercise has been hugely important to me. I think for multiple reasons. I've been doing a lot of walking. That's really how all of this started when I was coming back from healing from my surgery. Um, But exercise has really allowed me to process and think. I've actually been able to walk longer um, than before in regards to like not getting bored, if you will, Um, just because I have so much on my mind and I'm kind of processing through um, the entire cancer journey. And so it's been a really good place for kind of alone time. I used to listen to a lot of music with lyrics and sometimes I will still listen to music with lyrics, but mostly listening to music almost just kind of like a background as I'm like playing out a scene in my head of what's going on uh, or what has happened from cancer or how I'm healing. So that's been a huge um, part for exercise. And plus I just feel better and have more energy and that's been amazing. I think the number one thing for me, especially just with my journey and struggle with weight, with how much I've weighed and image and how I look, um, and then the struggle with exercise um, being more of a punishment, it has now become a privilege. And so whenever I was down and out, kind of like you said right now, you're like, oh, I wish I could be working out. You know, I never really had that until I went through cancer. And so now that I've been through that, and I, it was taken away from me, you know, that saying, sometimes you don't know what you've got till it's gone. And so I'm just so thankful to be able to move, even though it's very limited right now, I'm so thankful to be able to move in the way that I can. And so I really, it's just kind of been a perspective change for me, especially through survivorship. But yeah, it's been hugely important in my life. You know, that's one of the things that struck me as I was going through your blog. And for our listeners, they can check out your blog. It's at sparklysurvivor.com. And we're curious to dig into where that name came from in a minute. Uh But one of the things that uh, jumped out at me was one of your posts talked about not taking things for granted and, and just, you know, the scenery in Colorado and, and the word that kind of jumped out at me that has been uh, really helpful to me as well is the word presence Mm -hmm. and just appreciating what's in front of you. Um, some things that people just ignore every day and take for granted. Uh, talk to me more about how that, how your journey through cancer has changed your perspective on not taking things for granted and appreciating just the little things in front of you. Oh, absolutely. I mean, it's changed in so many ways. I mean, I think that oftentimes we can even get caught up on social media and can miss things. And I think that it's easy whenever you have a day off to maybe be lazy or to not do something. Cause I mean, we're no obligated to go to work or have a place to be to just kind of 
just kind of let things go a little bit. Oh, I've had a tough week or almost, almost kind of like making excuses. And I understand needing rest. I mean, obviously you just had surgery. I went through surgery. I understand the need of that, but just kind of utilizing our time as if it is the last time that we're going to have time. And um, just really being present with the people in my life. I was actually off of social media, my entire cancer journey. And so that was kind of an amazing, it was blessing and it was hard because the amazing connections on social media have been hugely, hugely blessing. But whenever I was off of social media and I was going through the journey, I actually journaled every single day. I was very present with what was going on with my emotions, with the people that I was with, recalling conversations, just sitting and appreciating time with people. You know, whenever you sit down and plan your funeral with your husband, it kind of changes things. And even on my sickest days, like we planned my funeral when I was really bad. I was in the ER. I had so many things going on, lots of life-threatening things, filled out power of attorney and living will. Um, they highly recommended that I do that. And just in those moments, it was like, oh my goodness, it wasn't that look of, I wish I could have done better. I wish I would have done this better in the past and been present and kiss him longer, hug him longer, you know, laugh more, you know, forgive faster, you know, these kind of things, just general things in life. It wasn't that because I don't think that we can live in that realm. It was, I can start right now. This is, I need to start this right now and love people well and be present and enjoy the things that are around me. Actually sit down and smell the flowers, the food, you know, really just take in everything that is surrounding us in that moment and not regretting what's happening in the past because that's only going to weigh us down further. But just being in that moment and even on my sickest days, just valuing and cherishing the moments and the memories, even if it's me crying on my husband's shoulder, just the preciousness of him being there and loving me through that moment. Talk to me about your husband, Wes. What yeah. is his uh, <laughs> role in this meant to you? Oh, it's it's a hard one for me to talk about without crying. You wouldn't be you wouldn't be the first to cry on the show. <laughs> it, it, he has been everything. Um, he dropped everything when this happened. I just I remember when I told him because I told him over the phone. I received a phone call and he was working and he was like, "I'm off in an hour. Do you need me to come home now?" And I was like, "No, you know, I just I'm going to take a moment." process this kind of calm down a little bit now that I know that I have cancer. And when he got home, he was just all in. You could feel the emotion, but you could also see such strength in it. It was, I'm here and I love you, but it was like this covering of wings of, I'm going to protect you. I'm walking with this with you every step of the way. I'm never going to leave your side. And he has done that a hundred percent. He, when he said for better or for worse, for sickness and in health, he lived that out in every way, shape and form. He left his job, not knowing if he would get it back, which they were amazing. They gave him his job back. It was his work has been such a blessing, but he left his job. He sold his truck. His entire family's in Colorado. He picked up and moved in with my family for six months while I had treatment in Houston. He was with me rubbing my back, even though I had folliculitis and my entire back was covered in acne and, you know, rubbing my bald head and just telling me I was so beautiful the whole time. Every treatment he was there, every hospital visit, every surgery, he never left my side. And it was everything to me. And I, I, I can't even imagine having done this without him. And I love him with all that I am and all that I have. How long have you been married? Um, four and a half years. Okay. So this is, this came fairly early on. 
Yes. Yeah. It was a, right after our three year anniversary that I was diagnosed. S same joke that Linda and I make, you know, we said when we said in sickness and in health and, and we just celebrated our sixth anniversary on Saturday. Oh, congratulations. We, thank you. And we said, you know, when we said in sickness and in health, we didn't mean now. <laughs> right. Yeah. That's we supposed to be like 90 right. in the nursing home. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Oh, I totally get that. But it is, I have, we, we talk about, I mean, in my faith, like we talk about like love and respect within the relationship. And I've always respected and loved my husband. I have a whole new level of respect and loyalty to him just in seeing that we truly can make it through anything that happens in this life and that God is with us and we are together. And this is something that, um, you know, until death do us part. I mean, really, that's how that's how that ends in our vows too. Is until death do us part. And uh, we actually did a vow renewal um, on our four year wedding anniversary. We had planned to do it every five years, but given the circumstances of what happened, we went and got all dressed up. I had a white dress on, and we went back to where we got married and um, rewrote our vows and renewed our vows together. And just, I I always say I don't know how I could love him even more, but I do every day. And I just. He's amazing. He's meant everything in this journey. So clearly I can I can already tell that the two of you have had that level of relationship, have had that positivity, that love, that positive outlook before your disease. Yes. But mm -hmm. if the Nicole before diagnosis could see Nicole today, what would she see different? Oh my goodness. <laughs> wow. Yeah, that's Oh, that's a very long answer, but the short of the long would be that life is precious. Life is precious. And the people in our lives, we're not guaranteed another day with anyone and telling people that we love them and being present and being kind. And we watched people give and support us after I left my job um, for this. And he left his job in such a way between our families um, hosting us uh, or my parents hosting us at their house to friends setting up meal trains to GoFundMe accounts to sending us care packages and people being pen pals. One of my coworkers' moms pen pals with me the entire journey and just watching the way that people gave to people in need and what it meant. I think just the spirit of giving has been lifted in my life of just, oh my goodness, like the stuff that we have was not meant for us to keep selfishly, but to give selflessly and just the positive impact and the life-changing things that it does. I mean, even just to text somebody and say, I love you, I miss you, how are you? And just being there, what an impact that kindness and love and um, being there for other people means, you know, because I know that it's hard to step into messy situations. I know that that's really difficult, especially with the diagnosis and becoming friends or getting close to somebody who has a terminal diagnosis. And I know that's what a lot of my friends face and new people that came into my life are facing, but they dove into it, into the tough parts, into the tears, into, you know, the how are you doing not well being almost all of the time in terms of how I was feeling physically and all the ER visits, but just diving into the good and the bad and just loving people as a whole and not just, hey, you're not doing good for me, you're disposable, but just, you know, loving people so well. And I, that's just a message that I want to encourage other people is dive into those moments because it will change their life and it'll change your life too. And I just... That is that has been huge. Just giving generously, loving unconditionally, um, and living with abounding faith. I mean, that has been 
But I think another part of it is um, believing in miracles too, and uh, that miracles really can happen. That's probably what I would say for my former self, because being a Christian, I, I believe in the miracles in the Bible. And I believe, you know, what they say about Jesus rising from the dead, forgiving our sins. But I don't know if I ever fully believed that they were happening today. And if one could actually happen to me, and I was actually cured through a miracle. And so it was just the most crazy, unexplainable thing other than divine intervention. And so just knowing that God has a plan and he really holds our entire lives in his hands. I mean, and that for me, because I would get worried and I could get anxious a lot easier. And now I'm like, oh, like this isn't going so well. Well, no matter what, like God has a plan for this. And so just trusting and believing in that. So, I mean, I could seriously go on forever with nutrition and exercise and friendships and work, like work being a privilege, you know, and something to do and um, finances and how we use those. And so, I mean, just so many different things. Like I just, I wish I could go back and tell her that, but I honestly feel like, and you might feel this too, there's a part of grieving the old person because I, I don't know about you, but I, I feel so different after that and in so many different ways. I mean, in a lot of positive ways, but in ways where like now I'm dealing with chronic pain that I never dealt with before. And so it's just, it's a total transition. And so getting to know this new me and, but also acknowledging who I am and having passions amplified and hopefully diminishing the things that um, were not positive in my life or my actions that I had done. So let's go back a little bit. And and, and how did you, how did you come to be diagnosed in, in the first place? Yeah. Yeah. So I was actually diagnosed. It was, it was a wild story. So, I mean, it really started a few years, right, right when Wes and I got married. So about four years ago, um, I had all of these issues with digestion. Um, I, anything that I ate, I couldn't tolerate food and I've had colonoscopies, endoscopies. They tried me lactose intolerant. They tried me on every single type of dietary restriction that you could have, but I was always sick. Um, and so I kind of just gave up on that because it was like, if I eat broccoli or if I eat macaroni and cheese, it doesn't matter. I'm going to feel bad. And so I think that I kind of like got depressed and stuff and was just kind of eating whatever. And I gained a lot of weight in our first few, few years of marriage. And then they done all these tests. Well, I finally had one weekend where it was, I couldn't even lie down. I had such bad acid reflux. Um, I, I couldn't even sleep. So I was like falling asleep for five minutes, sitting up, just crying myself to sleep. I was in so much pain. Um, so we went in and they went to go and check my gallbladder, which I mean, I did kind of like the, uh, again, because it had been so many times that I'd had my gallbladder checked. Um, and when they looked, they actually found that resting on my pancreas was this lesion and they didn't know what it was. It was perfectly round. It looked like it was kind of trying to blend in a little bit um, and they just couldn't really tell what it was. And so with further testing, we actually found out with a more invasive testing that my gallbladder had been failing for three years, um, that they just weren't doing the right test on it. It was having trouble eliminating um, from it. And so that was failing. And so that had been causing all my grief for three years. But they said for that surgery, they couldn't figure out what the lesion was, but they were going to go ahead and try to remove as much of it as they could during surgery with the gallbladder. So they removed the gallbladder most of the tumor. They couldn't get all of it out though. Most of the tumor. And then um, whenever they came back with the results of that, they said it was the gallbladder causing symptoms. You were diagnosed with stage three sarcoma cancer. My radiologist, surgeon, and primary care doctor had never seen a sarcoma before. So no one knew what it was, but they said that at this stage, or my oncologist said at this stage, 
in the sarcoma, it doesn't show up in blood work and wouldn't have caused symptoms. And so it was kind of, it was one of those things where it was like, I had been suffering for so long, but because of the aggressive nature and how fast sarcoma grows, that could have just taken a couple of months. But by the time they would have found it causing from when it had been causing symptoms, it would have metastasized and it would have been everywhere. And so it was kind of this remarkable blessing in disguise that I had suffered for three years to find at the right time that my gallbladder was failing so they could discover this racquetball sized sarcoma just in time before it had metastasized. And so I think it was in that moment, that was July 18th of 2017. And so it was in that moment that I was like, okay, like we're going to get through this, like God's got this. And I mean, even in, I, I don't want to say like, like I'm going to get through this in terms of that I'm going to be cancer free because that's not a guarantee ever. And it can come back at any time. But I say that in regards to, I'm going to fight hard and I'm going to do everything that I can. And if this, if I do succumb to this disease, um, I'll be cancer free in heaven. And so I knew that no matter what cancer wouldn't win. And so I just, I, I felt God's presence. I knew my husband was going to walk every step of the way and the love and support that we had from friends and family through the remainder of my cancer journey, whenever I started treatment and chemo and my next surgery, that we would fight through this with everything that we had. And, and here you are today. Here I am today. Be sure to stick around to the end of this episode to learn how you can get your rear in gear. You touched a little bit about, you know, other people in your life and another one of your posts kind of jumped out at me and you were talking about, I, I think the title of the post was ways to support a loved one. And you touched on yeah. such, something so common, Nicole, and that is people don't know what to say. Yeah. Yeah. Talk to me about your experience and how you managed through that. Yeah. So it was, so this was actually one of the, the coolest parts I would say. And I don't know if any part is cool, but I guess the coolest epiphanies, if you will, that happened through that, because I remember making the phone calls the day that we found out and calling everyone and just listening to everyone's reaction. So just like, just talking about like that initial reaction. Um, and it went anywhere from the range of in denial that maybe it's not, it's like, well, yes, it is, but people, how cope, how they cope, right? In denial that it was happening. I had a friend who had a really hard time with it because she, uh, one of my best friends, because she had lost her dad to brain cancer in 2010. And so that was really hard and she didn't really know what to say to do. And so to her, this was like a death sentence. Like she heard cancer. And so she was like already in the mode of getting ready to lose me. And then others who were like in warrior stance, like you've got this, you can do this, you know, and like wouldn't allow themselves to cry. And so as the weeks and stuff carried on, and time went on, I remember feeling some people that had kind of put some distance and then other people who had stepped in, in ways that just shocked me where I was like, oh my goodness, like I told them via text, I didn't even call them. And they're like following up. And then somebody else who I called stepped back, you know, just all the different reactions. And I remember at one point I was really sad about it. I was like, I don't understand why this is happening. Like this is supposed to be one of my best friends or, you know, this person I'm not even close to and look at all that they're doing. But what really, I took a step back. And I really started to think about it and reflect about it as I was kind of searching through like my emotions and how I was feeling. And I think what I was reminded is that even though my world stopped for a moment when I got the diagnosis, 
the world doesn't revolve around me, even though it's the biggest thing that happened. And I think it's easy for that to happen is we get caught up in all the stuff like the world, you know, doesn't revolve around me. And oftentimes people don't know what to say or do. They don't want to bother you because they think that you're sick. They don't know what to say. They don't want to like, do I say, how are you? Or can I even talk about my life without her feeling bad that I'm having this amazing life? And so there's difficult things and stuff. And I think coming from a cancer patient, it's important for us to know, like, People are really, I think, honestly, and this is probably me also being optimistic, I think people are just trying to do the best that they can with what they know from their experiences and their environment. But we can't focus on those who aren't doing the things that we wish that they would do. We have to be so present and so thankful for the ones who are there and are stepping in because they're there for a reason. And on the other end of that, if there's any caregivers or any loved ones, um, I can guarantee, I would say everyone, anybody who has a kind or loving word to say to somebody, just an I love you or I'm here for you or just showing up at somebody's house or sending a card. I mean, seriously, like the cards that came when I was so sick and we would check the mail and it was something address that wasn't a hospital bill or wasn't a student loan (laughs) bill was amazing and just brightened my day. And, and I know that that's hard. And I know as a, as a cancer patient, I know it can be easy to get offended if somebody says something like everything happens for a reason. And maybe you're not a believer and you're like, I don't believe that this happened for a reason. I hate you. You know, I've heard a lot of that. Like people don't always receive that very well. Or some people don't like to hear like, I'm praying for you or anything. But as a patient, I just want to encourage other patients. I think people are just trying the best that they can in order for them to cope with it and to try to help you cope with it. And so to not take things um, super personal because everyone's trying to live their lives too. And just remembering how maybe we've reacted when we've known somebody who has gone through something and just having compassion and grace with each other because it is so hard and there's no rule book. There's no way. And so I wrote that post in regards to the one thing that I can say is just don't disappear. Don't disappear. Even if it's a weekly text or you text and say something, just don't disappear from your loved ones who are going through it, no matter what you say or do. That I think was the hardest thing um, going through. It was the people that completely disappeared altogether and wanted nothing to do with it. And it's so common. I just hear it interview after interview and my own personal experience. And, and I think you touched on this a little bit, but sometimes the best thing we can do as the patient is to give those people a little bit of help, mm-hmm. you know, because they, they're always saying, what can I do? Yeah. What do you need? And we're so overwhelmed. You know, you're kind of putting the burden on us t- to tell you how to help us. But sometimes maybe we just need to do that. Yeah. And, and just say, like you said, you know, check in with me. Yeah. Let me know how your day is going. I do want to know. Yeah. And, and let them know that it's okay. Some of those things that, you know, like that you just touched on, you know, I, I don't want them to think this, I don't want to do that. Yeah. But giving them permission might help you know, those who care about us, because they still care about us. Yeah. Even those that vanish. I, I, I just a positive person like you and, and still think, you know, they still just, they still care, mm-hmm. but they just don't know how to show it. And maybe we just need to help them. Yeah. Bit. And that post that I wrote, I mean, anybody can forward that on to someone because I mean, 
like I talked about there, I mean, oftentimes we don't know what we need and maybe what we need is kind of big and that's a lot to ask of somebody. And so, I mean, I remember whenever my friends called and they were like, I'm not really asking you if I can, I'm basically just saying, is it okay to do this? Because we're already planning on doing this with the GoFundMe page. And that made a huge impact. My, they're my best friends from Texas who I went to college with and put that together and I wasn't on social media and they just blasted it all over social media. And we just had incredible response to that, which was amazing. But yeah, it just oftentimes it is hard to ask. And oftentimes we don't know. And it's even little things like, I don't like paying a water bill or just bringing over some groceries and just different things that are just so helpful um, in regards to that, I think have just been um, amazing ways to support somebody. And everyone is different. Everyone is different and their needs are going to be different. Like I don't have kids or pets and I can only imagine how amazing it would be if somebody had come over and walked a dog, you know, or, sure. you know, something just to do something to help. And even caring for the caregiver, you know, because my brother actually took my husband to a Houston Texans game when we were down there while my mom took care of me. And so my husband was able to kind of go and let loose and get a breather and you know, cause he's around me and oh, I'm just nice. constantly sick. And so I'm um, checking in on the caregiver, I think is huge too. And loving on them because they do so much. And I know you probably feel this way about your wife too, of just how much she does and how much she loves you. And, you know, maybe just like a day out with the girls, go get some, get the nails done or somebody just come in and sit with you and hang out with you if you need somebody with you. And so that was, that was huge too. Anytime somebody did something nice for Wes, that was really cool. Cause I think caregivers can almost feel forgotten a little bit. So yeah. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. So you touched on, on two major things that have helped you in your journey. You mm -hmm. talked about your faith, uh -huh. you talked about your exercise, about yeah. exercise. Yeah. Uh, what else has been key to you being, you know, where you are today? Oh my goodness. Yeah. Faith, exercise, um, nutrition has been huge. Um, I realized, I kind of talked to you a little bit about uh, with the food, struggling with food and how I was sick no matter what I ate. So I just kind of like, I was kind of depressed and I kind of just went to food for comfort. And I realized that I had a really bad relationship with food um, in November of last year um, when I was in the ER and I finally got taken off the liquid diet and I was like binge eating at the hospital. Like I was eating so much food and I had lost my taste due to chemo. So I was eating all of this food that I couldn't even taste. And it was in that moment that I was like, okay, this has gotten out of hand. Like this is not okay. And it was the first time that I really brought my husband in it and God in on it. And I was like, I don't want to struggle with nutrition anymore. I don't want to go to it and personify it as friend or foe. I need it to be in my mind as nourishment to help save my body, to keep my body alive. Um, and to keep living this that is so precious, every moment of it is so precious, no matter how many I have left. Because at that point, I was getting ready to go into my major surgery to hopefully remove the rest of the cancer. And so I didn't even know if I would make it off the table with the type of procedure that I was going to have. But I was like, I want to do this now. I don't want to wait till I'm cancer free. I don't want to wait till I'm out of the hospital. I want to do this now. And so we started praying about it and talking about it in a very loving way. And um, so since November of last year, changing nutrition, portions that I ate, changing the way that I look at food um, and the way that I look at my body and myself, like loving myself for who I am and body just and food just nourishing my body. Um, I've actually lost 90 pounds since then. And Whoa. so 
just from changing those things and looking at myself differently, looking at food differently, and just kind of changing uh, my life in that way. And so um, that was another huge thing about nutrition. And so I'm, I'm very cautious about what I eat. I make time to cook. That's something that wasn't, I mean, it was a priority, but like the ingredients that I used weren't a priority. And so uh, I meet with my dietitian every time I go to follow-up appointments and we talk about ideas. And so I try to help other people on social media or on Pinterest with really yummy, yummy, yummy recipes that are made with natural ingredients and things that are there to nourish our bodies and to help give us fuel to function and that don't feed the beast. <laughs> where where can people find that information? Yeah, so everything, all of my social media and Pinterest, Instagram, YouTube, and Facebook is tied to Sparkly Survivor. And so, yeah, people can go to any of those. Um, and anyone that wants to send me a message or an email that has questions, uh, my email is connect at sparklysurvivor.com. And I try to get back within 24 hours of anybody who reaches out to me with that because I know how hard it is and I know how difficult it can be. And just having encouragement and somebody who's on your team with that, I know can be helpful. And ultimately, I do have to say this too, with stuff and the way that I eat, if you're going through treatment or, you know, I don't know everybody's case specifically. And so I'd always consult your doctor before changing sure. any type of dietary stuff, but anything that I can do to help or to send really yummy recipes from cupcakes to dinners to breakfast, anything that uses all natural ingredients, I'm happy to help with that. So Okay. I know what site I'm going on as soon as we're done here. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> you had me at you had me at cupcakes. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I know, and they're so good. They have it. I mean, it is just and they're not my original recipes. I pull them from other people, but sure. it is it has been such a great experience with that. And my husband's done that with me. And so he's lost about forty five pounds as well through this wow. process. And so and I mean for me I'm barely even able to exercise. And so just the diet portion of it and I mean I don't call it diet. I mean lifestyle change is really what I would call it that has changed my life and it has changed my husband's life. And yeah, and just like you're, you're worth it. Don't give up on yourself, whether it's fighting cancer or any struggle, if you're going through depression, uh, keep going, keep going. That's just a season. You can get through this. Like I believe that you can. And so just as encouragement to listeners out there who might be struggling with that. Those are great words of advice. And I'll be sure to include links to all of your social media Thank as well you. as your email in the show notes at wehavecancershow.com this episode. Great. Uh, Nicole, thank you so much. You've been thank so generous you. with your time. It's been wonderful to meet and connect with you. And uh, I know that uh, there's going to be many people that you're going to inspire with this interview, in addition to all the people that you've already inspired prior to, including <laughs> myself. So I wish you first and foremost the best of good health to you and uh, you know continued good outcomes and and just all the best to you Wes and and all who love you as you move forward in your journey. Uh, well, thank you so much. That means so much to me. And just know that I'm continuing to pray for you um, as you recover from surgery. And I'm just so thankful for you and your wife coming together and working on this We Have Cancer podcast to inspire and to help and to connect with so many people and help others realize that they're not alone and just that we do this together. And I'm just so thankful for your supportive and loving wife of six years that has just been amazing for your journey. And so thank you for allowing me to be a part of it as well. Oh, you're welcome. You're welcome. All the best to you. Thank you so much. Thank you. 
there are many opportunities for you to get your rear in gear while supporting the Colon Cancer Coalition. These Get Your Rear in Gear events are 5K run walks and kids fun runs taking place across the country. Let me run through the list of those events and where they're happening over the next several weeks. Coming up this Saturday on March the 2nd in Fort Worth, Texas at Trinity Park Pavilion 1. Also on March 2nd in Savannah, Georgia at the Nancy N. and J.C. Lewis Cancer and Research Pavilion. On Sunday, March 3rd in San Antonio at Morgan's Wonderland. Saturday, March 9th in Raleigh, North Carolina at Wake Med Soccer Park. Also on Saturday, March 9th in Tulsa, Oklahoma at Guthrie Green. And also on Saturday, March 9th in Winston-Salem at Quarry Park. And also on March 9th in Nashville, Tennessee at Richland Creek Greenway. On March 24th in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Taking place at Memorial Hall Please Touch Museum. And on March 30th, Charlotte, North Carolina in Independence Park. And also on March 30th, Asheville, North Carolina at Carrier Park Shelter. Because March is Colon Cancer Awareness Month, there's also some additional exciting events taking place. I want to run through those real quick with you. For our friends in Plantsville, Connecticut, there's the Blue Moon Gala. This is a dinner taking place on Saturday, March 9th at 7 p.m. Dinner with live band and fashion show taking place at the Aqua Turf Club. For our friends in Minnesota, there's a wonderful Minnesota Blue Reception taking place on Tuesday, March 12th from 6 to 8 p.m. at Como Park Zoo and Conservatory Visitor Center. This is recognizing all the businesses that have chosen to turn blue in recognition of Colon Cancer Awareness Month. Be sure to check out that great event. On Saturday, March 23rd, for our friends in Portland, Oregon, any of you fans of the Portland Trailblazers, they are hosting Colon Cancer Awareness Night. This game will be the Blazers against the Detroit Pistons. Wonderful event, raising funds for the Colon Cancer Coalition. On Wednesday, March 27th, for our friends in Duluth, Minnesota, is Beers for Rears. So Beers for Rears is taking place at Bent Paddle Brewing Company Tap Room. This is Wednesday evening, 6 p.m. on Wednesday, March 27th. Prizes, giveaways, and more proceeds go into the Colon Cancer Coalition. And that is your Get Your Rear and Gear events and colon cancer awareness events taking place over the next several weeks. For more information on all of these events, please check out the Colon Cancer Coalition's website at coloncancercoalition.org forward slash events. Wow, how could you not be inspired and just truly admire Nicole's energy and enthusiasm and positivity. I know that that has helped her get to where she is today. Just just so inspired by Nicole and truly thankful that uh, she reached out to me on Instagram to share her story. 
If you've missed any previous episodes, episode 114, my conversation with stage four anal cancer survivor, Michelle Longabaugh, episode 113, where I talked to Fung Lee Gallagher and Christina Smith, all about the Colon Club, and episode 112, my friend Dean Hall talking about swimming in miracles. Great conversation with Dean. I want to let you know that for the month of March, March is Colon Cancer Awareness Month. As you know, I am a stage four colon cancer survivor myself, and we're going to be doing something a little off schedule for the month of March. As you know, typically we have cancer releases an episode every other week. We're going to crank that up for the month of March. We have four wonderful stories to share, and we're going to do uh, an episode each week in the month of March. So be looking for extra episodes coming up beginning on March 5th. And each Tuesday throughout the month of March, we'll be doing a weekly episode profiling somebody who's doing amazing things and has an inspiring story to share as it relates to colorectal cancer. Thank you so much for joining us this week. Be well, everyone. Thank you for listening to We Have Cancer, and thank you to our sponsor, the Colon Cancer Coalition, for your support. You can subscribe to We Have Cancer by visiting Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher Radio, or Spotify. And you can find us on social media by visiting our Facebook page at We Have Cancer Show and at We Have Cancer Pod on both Instagram and Twitter. We Have Cancer is a proud supporter of Genie's Blue Angels, providing financial support to those affected by colorectal cancer.